research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Seated by my side, as always, Eric Eggers. Eric, how are you? I'm excellent, Peter. Good. I mean, a lower profile than you, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm okay. <laughs> well, we're going to have a very different conversation today than we usually have. Usually we talk about investigations, things we've talked about that are in public. Today we're going to go in the deep, dark bowels of history. Uh, And this is a result of the New York Times ran a series of articles uh, this past week, um, basically exposing the fact, that's the term they would use, uh, that GAI talks to and has conversations with the FBI. We're going to go through and give the audience today a history that takes you from the 2015 Clinton Foundation investigations all through the current Biden investigations and discuss in detail how these events in sort of a bizarre way are interconnected and related based on the work that we've done and based on contacts that we've had with various government bodies. Okay, you said just like a lot of words, but I think it's important for people that are listening to this just to take, just breathe for a second. And let's just, let's just, let me just say it again yeah. in a way that the listener might be able to understand. So this week, twice in the last week, the, the New York Times the prestigious standard of journalism has <laughs> in your mind is in some people's mind has written articles in which you you have been named specifically and our organization the government accountability institute has been named and the first of those two articles was mentioned in in which it was reported for the first time and you were sort of outed as a source of information as someone that's been approached by FBI agents for a couple of different investigations over the last few years. Now, the first article was about connections to Hunter Biden. They, they approached you for access to information. And then there's actually an article that's out today about, oh, by the way, the FBI also reached out back uh, after this book that we wrote, Clinton Cash, came out. So you've got this long-standing history with the FBI that no one knew about. <laughs> it makes so much sense why you carry yourself with this, like, cocksure sadness. I was like, who knew? He's backed by the feds. <laughs> well, let's not get carried away. This was, of course, a, a request for information from GAI. We get it all the time. We get it from law enforcement. We get it from congressional committees. Uh, and we're happy to share it because our mission is not only to tell the world what we found, but hopefully we want some justice on the tail end. So we want to walk people through this today. Uh, And, you know, it's not something we've advertised, not because we're not proud of it, but because these are ongoing law enforcement investigations, whether it's the Clinton Foundation, whether it's the Bidens, and we don't want to muck it up by going public and talking about the things that we're actually doing. So it's something we kind of like to keep on the lowdown. Well, I know you always like to quote founding fathers and kind of Greek yeah. philosophers, and yeah. I forget which uh, particular intellectual that you derive this principle from, but I believe it's the common uh, tenet of snitches get stitches. So <laughs> we ain't trying to put our stuff out on the street like that. 
<laughs> well, I guess the, the attempt at stitches here uh, is, is uh, from the New York Times. Uh, they ran a couple of stories that talked about the fact that the FBI reached out to us uh, involving the Clinton Foundation investigation in 2015. That launched four probes into the Clinton Foundation. Uh, and we're going to talk about that in detail. The New York Times also this week exposed the fact uh, that the FBI had reached out to us as part of the Hunter Biden investigation, which is, again, something that we're glad to do. So let's go back in time. Let's go back to 2015. You were a very young man in 2015, were you not? I've never been a young man, and I was working with you, <laughs> and I had recent. I think we actually have to go back to 2014, right. which is when the research for the book Clinton Cash began. I mean, as an organization, yeah. we'd only been in existence for less than three years. Uh, you'd written a different book, Extortion, which exposed the inner workings of Congress. Right. But we could all sort of see that uh, Hillary Clinton was probably going to run for president. Yeah. And she had been previously the Secretary of State of the United States. Right. And you had this very unique position where someone who was the former Secretary of State, who is the spouse of a former president, who is the presumptive future president, and that had a lot of opportunities for influence peddling and you know, access sale and things of that nature. So we, in an unusual way, decided to focus solely on the Clintons and less of the system of government. And right. we began that process in 2014. That's right. And the reason that we chose to focus on the Clintons were for all the reasons you mentioned, but also the fact that they were doing something that was unprecedented in American political history. They had set up this private foundation that they were raising gobs of money from around the world to fund. Uh, and our argument was, this is unusual, this is new, this is troubling, because you've got literally the Secretary of State, America's chief diplomat, her name is attached to a foundation where they're taking in foreign money from around the world. So in Clinton Cash, we investigated this, we exposed it. In April of 2015, the book came out. And one of the things we did uh, in conjunction with releasing the book is we shared the information in advance with investigative reporters at the New York Times and the Washington Post. Washington Post ran some stories. The most impactful story was a story by the New York Times. 4,000 uh, words, front four, page. That's right. And they confirmed the findings on Uranium One, that the Clinton Foundation had collected some $145 million uh, from foreign investors, um, and that the Clintons, Bill Clinton in particular, had helped smooth the deal for this uranium company to be purchased by a Canadian businessman who then flipped it to a, a Russian uh, state-connected uh, entity. And the New York Times confirmed all this and confirmed the fact that they were hiding donations that they were getting from overseas. They had a deal with the Obama administration that, okay, if we're going to keep, if we're going to receive foreign donations, right. we have to disclose it. They created a website, and then we happened to find, oops, well, there's, it turns out there's some donations from these Canadian sources that were the beneficiaries of the sale of Uranium One to Russia that the Clintons had not disclosed. Exactly. Canadian tax records. I advise everybody, look at Canadian tax records. And far be it from me to correct you again, but I have to tell you that like while you did media interviews about mm -hmm. the, the book Clinton Cash, including one with George Stephanopoulos, uh, in which yep. it was disclosed later after he gave you a really hard time, he said, there's not a shred of evidence that, you, that the Clintons have done anything wrong. And it turned out that George Stephanopoulos was himself a donor to the Clinton Foundation. Which, oops. That oops. But the book actually came out on uh, Cinco de Mayo, April, uh, March, May 5th, which I always remember because it's a book about foreign influence and Cinco de Mayo. So <laughs> Only you would draw that connection. Battle Between of Pueblo, a drinking RIP. <laughs> <laughs> so moving the story forward, we release this book. The New York Times runs this big story confirming its findings. The FBI contacts us and says, 
We're kind of poking around. Now, when you talk to the FBI, this was the New York field office. Yeah, yeah give people a sense. Like, so when the FBI calls, like, it is, like, does it show up on caller ID, FBI? It does I mean, not. It says no caller ID. Okay. So immediately you think it's spam. You're like, I'm not picking this up. Uh, but they reached out and they said that, you know, look, we're interested in the work that you've done. Would you be pro- willing to provide information if necessary? And I said, sure. This is the mission of GAI. We get contact from congressional committees, from law enforcement. We're happy to share it. And, and they launched... Investigations in four field offices of the FBI, and this is before the 2016 election. This is before the 20. 20- so this is the Obama Justice Department, correct? Who has who has said independently, "Hey, this is kind of on our radar. This seems like a thing. Uh, we'd be interested in somebody right. selling access to right. the United States government. Sure, can you point us in some directions?" So you did, yeah. And so if you look at the Durham report, which was just recently released. They talk about this and they talk about the contrast between the Clinton Foundation investigation and the Russia collusion investigation with Trump. And one of the things that they notice and mention is the fact that this investigation be- begins. They, they credit Clinton, uh, the Clinton cash book with sort of launching this investigation. But they talk about the fact that uh, uh, essentially um, nobody in the FBI senior management wants to touch this. They want to block the Clinton Foundation investigation. Why? Because Hillary Clinton might be president, which is, of course, the a- exact wrong reason why you would not want to investigate this. Which, so, by the way, think about this, like in, in, in contrast to the Russiagate investigation, which we'll get to how GIA yeah. is also responsible <laughs> for the Russiagate investigation, right. uh, which, by the way, was the investigation into the possibility that Donald Trump was himself a Russian asset. Right. Now, think about that. People were nervous to touch the Clinton Foundation investigation because Hillary might be president. And John Durham points out that so there was some hesitancy there as opposed to the all out zeal in which the Russiagate uh, investigation was commenced when the guy was literally a nominee and then the president. That's exactly right. And that's a huge contrast to draw here. But let me just give you a couple of quotes. This tells you the mindset of senior FBI management. Again, they've launched this investigation, Clinton Foundation. Beyond the Clinton Cash book, they have taped recordings of foreign nationals talking about, you know, you can give money to the Clintons. They'll give you favors. There's lots of evidence beyond the book. Lisa Page, remember Lisa Page, the lover of Peter Strzok, two FBI agents? She writes about the Clinton investigation in a text to Peter Strzok. One more thing. Clinton may be our next president. The last thing you need is going in there loaded for bear. And she goes on to say, you know, we really shouldn't be looking at this. Uh, the Durham report also quotes a, a, a FBI senior agent uh, who was looking into the Clintons and saying, quote, they were pretty tippy-toed around Clinton because there was a chance she would be the next president. And essentially what they did is these four investigations, I think it was Little Rock, Little Rock Washington, uh, New York, and I'm trying to remember where the fourth uh, location was, they were all consolidated so it could be controlled from the headquarters of the FBI, which is contrary to practice. Usually they let the field offices do their work, find what they can, and then come back and report. In this case, they wanted to consolidate the Clinton Foundation investigation. And effectively, according to Durham, they killed that investigation because they did not want it to be aggressively pursued by agents. But what it does speak to is how damning and true and piercing, I think, the the revelations from the Clinton Cash book were because not only did it launch four FBI investigations, but the Clintons, and we now know this because of subsequent reporting right. by Jeff Gerth, which he wrote about in the Columbia Journalism Review, the Clintons then, and as they were preparing to ramp up her presidential campaign, 
They did polling, as anybody would do, and they say, hey, what's Hillary's number one vulnerability? And because of the revelations of Clinton cash, not only did it launch FBI investigations, it permeated within the collective consciousness of society. And yep. so people said, hey, Hillary's number one vulnerability might be, remember when she sold uranium to Russia? <laughs> remember, the whole, remember, she, remember they made all that money and then they right. gave U.S. Right. uranium to Vladimir right. Putin? Right. That thing, that old yeah. canard. Yeah. And so they said, hey, this is our biggest vulnerability. What will we do? Hey, smart political people, what do you think? And then smart political people said, what if it's actually Trump that has the Russia problem? Exactly. And Classic so, move. You switch your chief vulnerability on your opponent. Yeah, my wife likes to call it gaslighting with me, but <laughs> but but also it's a savvy politics. <laughs> right. right. Well, and, and if you think about it from a, a political warfare point of view, it kind of makes sense. But this, I have to say, was really stunning. I did not realize this was going on. We had written Clinton Cash, uh, gotten a lot of attention at the New York Times. The book was on top of the bestsellers, got a lot of uh, interest, got a lot of energy. The FBI's launched an investigation. Well, it turns out the Clinton campaign, according to Jeff Gerf in a long piece in the Columbia Journalism Review, and I encourage everybody to read it, they basically said, hey, we're going to put together a dossier and, and allege that Donald Trump is the guy that is tied with Russia, not us. And that is what launched literally what we had with the Steele dossier, which led to the FBI's investigation of Donald J. Trump, arguing that somehow he is actually the Russian-connected politician. And by the way, Jeff Gertz's reporting was subsequently validated by the Durham report. And you, this is a term you may not be familiar with, but this special investigation was the, it's a years-long investigation. And the, the findings have just now been released in the last couple of weeks. And among them are, and the, it depends on which news outlet you read to see which headline you will right. glean from this Durham report. But essentially, the Durham report said that there was not sufficient evidence for the FBI to launch this investigation into whether Donald Trump was a Russian asset, which of course there wasn't because it was never true because the Clintons started it based on the reporting that you did that created her vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is the funny part, you know, about but, that, this. but that's literally what just has come out in the last yes, couple of weeks. That's exactly right. And it kind of came to a culmination. And, you know, because we talked about it and you kind of helped me in crafting this response. You're welcome. But yeah, you, you, you are a very, uh, a very valuable asset, Eric, in so many ways. But but Peter struck of FBI fame. Lisa Page's lover. Lisa Page's lover um, actually tweeted out after the New York Times sort of exposed me as uh, somebody that had talked to the FBI uh, said, oh, you know, if you think Christopher Steele is bad, this guy Schweitzer is even worse. Uh, and what we pointed out, of course, is huge differences between the Steele dossier and Clinton Cash. Number one, the Steele dossier is totally made up, fake, anonymous. There's no way you can reconstruct what that is claiming, because it's all made up and it's all anonymous. That's that's the first thing. If you contrast that with the Clinton cash, it's all based on corporate records, financial records, uh, et cetera. I mean, in other words, you can look at what we're reporting and you can actually replicate it and show uh, that it's real and as, that they're sourcing. As the New York Times did. As the New York Times as did. As the Washington did. Post, ABC News, Bloomberg, lots of other independent news outlets. So what happened is Peter Strzok said, if you believe this is bad, now the FBI is talking to Peter Schweitzer. Oh, my gosh, this is terrible. And so you responded uh, on Twitter and you sort of point all these things out. But it raises a very important question. By the way, he blocked me after that response. Well, that, that's what I think that's what people do these days on Twitter. <laughs> but but it, it, and I encourage anybody to go check out Peter Schweitzer's tweet because I think it's an important thing. But the question becomes, 
what do you have against the state of Maine? <laughs> because then Peter Schweitzer's response, and this is, I think, my favorite thing about GAI. Like, we, we can write us some books. We, and, are, and, we are precise and detailed <laughs> in going through Ukrainian shipping records, but when we send out a tweet... But we can't craft a mean tweet, because at the end of Schweitzer's Twitter opus, he says, the least you can do is at me. And he's trying to say at me like the cool kids do, and I'll take some blame for this because I helped him write it. But instead, it was at me.com, which, or at me, period, which ends up being the Twitter handle for the state of Maine. That's so you correct. sort of inadvertently called out the state of Maine. So Maine suddenly got involved in this Twitter dispute between myself and Peter Strzok. But Maine also has previously been accused of being a Russian asset. So it checks out. <laughs> so, so this is the important thing to keep in mind is Clinton Cash, and we had no way of knowing this was happening, is kind of the beginning, the headwaters for this flowing river of news and counterclaims and conflicts uh, that has that went on for years. So you have the FBI launched the investigation on the Clinton Foundation that is squelched and shut down. You have the Clintons take the attacks and the evidence in Clinton uh, cash and try to turn it around. And they put out the dossier. And then, of course, that is investigated and we get the Mueller report. And this is where we make another kind of funny appearance a GAI and Clinton Cash in ways that we didn't even know. I like, you know, you reference it, and normally I'm the one that references movies and you reference, you know, highbrow, kind of intellectually hefty, <laughs> uh, you know, philosophers or things. But you, you compared us to Forrest Gump in a way. A little bit, yeah. Which I think is interesting, yeah, because like all these sort of interesting, important moments over the last seven years politically, we do show up. How are we relevant? How do we pop up in the Mueller report? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is quite funny, and you can find this uh, if you go online on page 116 and on page C14. So at one point, the accusation is that during the 2016 campaign, the Ruskies are helping Donald Trump. And one of the ways they're helping Donald Trump is they're giving him dirt uh, on the Clintons. Uh, and that's the accusation that's made. So the Mueller team looks into this <laughs> and the Mueller team interviews Donald Trump and interviews campaign aides. And what it turns out is they say, no, we didn't have any inside information. Russia didn't give us inside information uh, in which we were going to criticize uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, we just read it in this book called Clinton Cash. Uh, so, again, in this example of kind of the overhyped mentality in Washington, D.C., and the simple fact that there is so much great information out there that people need to will, be willing to look at it. And again, it's evidence, I think, of the power of the importance of the research that we do and how we do it. I mean, it's not a bad thing if the research that we've published in books ends up being mistaken for Russian compromise that was fed to the Trump campaign. <laughs> right. right? And, and, and to the extent to which FBI agents like, so, but where'd you get that stuff, though? Yeah. Oh, from Amazon? Okay, never mind. <laughs> right, never, right. Oh, it's on your Kindle. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so you have this chain of events uh, that have been unfolded that we've been involved in. Um, the Clinton Foundation FBI investigation, the sort of creation of the Steele dossier, the Mueller report. Then in 2018... Well, let's just pause for a second. Yeah. I, and I, one of my favorite things about working with you next to you is seeing that you write these books and, the, you know, the team, we all kind of work together as a collaborative thing. But then these books come out and they do incredibly well. And that's great. And then you're happy for a little bit. And then you're not. <laughs> and instead of talking about the emotional wounds you carry on a regular basis as a result of that, what I'd like to talk about is the pressure that you then feel because you're like, oh, my gosh, now I have to do it again. Yeah. And so think about it's just funny to look back on it. So Clinton Cash was this monster, did incredibly well, launched investigations. It created, it literally shifted the course of a campaign. Yeah. And then, OK, what's the next book going to be? And so 
2018, we talked about secret empires, and it, right. and it was more of a bipartisan thing. We talked about the Kushners and the Trumps, and we talked about Mitch McConnell and yep. Chow, but we also talked about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Yeah, and the deal in which the the Chinese deal that was launched after he tra- travels with Joe on Air Force Two and all that, and uh, you know, so it's a lot of pressure for secret empires to kind of carry right. the mantle of the Clinton cash legacy, and all it did was get somebody impeached. Yeah, I mean, this is another uh, another sort of weird incident. We didn't know, we didn't expect it, um, but again, I think it just shows the power of information. And uh, basically, what happened is the book came out in 2018. We talked about the corruption involving the Biden family, which I think we've overwhelmingly documented, as have others. And lo and behold, one of the people that reads the book is familiar with the book, who quotes the book, is President Donald Trump. And Donald Trump makes that phone call in 2019 <laughs> to I think it's President Zelensky, right, of of Ukraine. Uh, and says the corrupt the the you know the Bidens are really bad. If you find anything, please let us know. Which is of course what triggers the impeachment of Donald Trump. And so one of my favorite things to say about GAI, if people ask like, what well, where do you work? I was like, well, we work in a place that uh, whose research has been used to get presidents elected because Donald Trump did use the research from Clinton Cash on the campaign stump, but it also has been used to get presidents impeached because. <laughs> Donald Trump also got impeached for making that phone call to Ukraine. Yeah, by the way, I still think it's ridiculous. I mean, the the, the notion uh, that you can't tell a foreign head of state if you find something on this, I want to know about it. I mean, that 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 sort of stuff happens all the time. But that's where the, the accusation that Trump was a Russian agent came from, because he said flippantly on the campaign, Russia, if you're listening, you can get her, you know, it sort yeah. of makes these, one of these over the top comments, like everything he says is over the top. But that's seized on as like, oh, clearly he's communicating with, with Russia. Like, I like how he's like, no, he's communicating from the campaign stuff. Like, like, <laughs> right, exactly. like, that's literally saying the quiet part out loud. Right, guys. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So. You know, so you have the impeachment of Donald Trump. The other thing that happens is with our Clinton, uh, sorry, our Biden research in 2018. So Donald, gets, Donald Trump's not the only one to take notice of our Hunter Biden research. That's right. In fact, uh, we get contact again from the FBI that are uh, looking into the Bidens. And let's remember when Secret Empires was published in 2018. That's four months later when the grand jury was launched in Delaware to investigate Hunter Biden. Uh, so we get a call again from the FBI, and this is what is covered in the New York Times piece this week. Uh, and they really, I think, in my mind, try to create a portrait uh, of a conversation that you know seemed more sinister than it actually was. I mean, it was it was agents that reached out to me and said, we're looking at this. You know, do you have any information that you think could be helpful that you have? We said, sure, we have corporate records. We have all this material. We'd be happy to send it to you. We did the same thing when President Obama ran the Department of Justice in 2015. We've done it with congressional committees. We've talked to congressmen that are Democrats and Republicans. So we don't mind doing it. But the bottom line is information and the research we do has so many things so many ways that it manifests itself um, that we don't even know at GAI. And I think the the reason why we're doing this podcast is because I think that we all sort of saw the New York Times article that came out last week, and we just thought it was unfair. And to be honest, I think maybe intentionally misleading because they attempted to portray, and I think even Peter Strzok's portrayal of the communication you've had with the FBI as, oh, it's like we're selling them stuff to try to make Hunter Biden look bad or whatever, when the opposite is the true. It's like, if you come out like, hey, why are you talking to my wife? Bro, she came up to me. (laughs) (laughs) 
you always have a great way of bringing this down to such an <laughs> earthy level. <laughs> but, but, but but that's I mean that's the, the effort of the New York Times was hey uh, you know this guy is out there peddling information and these zealot right wing activist FBI right. agents are going and beating the MAGA bushes to see what they can yeah. come up with and the, and the opposite is true. Yeah, and the, and the, and the whole context of the article, by the way, was uh, the article alleged that Trump was trying to undermine the Russia collusion FBI investigation. And then suddenly we pop in in the middle of it, which, of course, one is not sort of connected to the others. But, you know, look, here's here's the bottom line. Uh, I'm very proud of the fact that if law enforcement people call us, congressional people call us and they want information, we're glad to share it. That's the first thing. The second thing is this notion that somehow we're going to pull the wool over the eyes of the FBI <laughs> is like the most dumbass thing you can think of. First of all, because, look, everything that we do, you can trace. It's financial records. It's corporate records. It's court documents. Um, we don't use anonymous sources. It's not like some stupid dossier that, that some guy in a drunken night says, yeah, I'm going to put in stuff about, you know, urinating on top of some. I mean, it, the, the, the point that somehow we are going to try to manipulate federal law enforcement is just stupid and laughable. And to your point. They approached us and we're happy to help them because the, the people that we dealt with, I think we were always dealt with fairly and straightly. This is the part of the FBI that still does a good job. They're the people on the ground that are trying to investigate crimes. They don't care if the person has a D or, after, D or an R after their name, and they don't care if they're going to be president one day. They just want to get the facts out there. So I'm proud of that history. And we wanted to talk about this today precisely because I'm very frustrated uh, by how this is being characterized and how it's being used in some way by former FBI agents like Tim Tebow, who not the football player, Tim Tebow, former FBI agent, who I think was probably the source for this New York Times piece. It's being presented and done in a way to fight this ideological war to protect their asses. And I think that, unfortunately, uh, the New York Times is is basically running interference for them. Well, and I would say one thing, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. It, think about the Steele dossier and the way in which the mainstream media outlets were used essentially by the Clinton campaign with by leveraging the credibility of right. intelligence community to say, hey, here's this story. Here's what we have. Right. And so they went and they re reported it breathlessly. Did you, I mean, my takeaway from the articles this week that I think you're falsely portrayed in is that the the new york times and mainstream media is still being used by oh, the intelligence absolutely. community and, and it's it's the classic you know i took logic in high school right i took a class in logic and one of the things it talks about many different sorts of elements of false logic or faulty logic and one of them is appeal to authority mm -hmm. and that's basically you and i are having a discussion and i were to basically say well, Eric, I'm the president of the organization, so I must be right. That's that's false logic. Mm -hmm. Appealing. Thank to you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 here's the problem. This is they did this with the Steele dossier. Well, we're smart guys. This is a former you know British intelligence guy, Steele, who put it together. He must be credible. Accept our authority, even though you can't confirm anything, even though the information is laughable, and you find the same kind of twisted logic in. The Biden laptop thing, when you had those 50 some intelligence, uh, you know, senior officials say it's Russian intelligence. Again, absolute appeal to to authority. It has no basis in logic or fact. And you would think that elements like the New York Times would realize how they're being used in this manner 
but apparently they don't. And it's not without consequences. And to me, this is maybe the most startling thing. Like, this is almost like the end of an M. Night Shyamalan film <laughs> in which you, like, kind of like, wait, it's been dead people the whole time? <laughs> but, think, but think about this. Or it's right. like, so... The Clinton Cash comes out. I mean, you can literally trace the impact of Clinton Cash on both the 2016 election and the 2020 election in this way. Clinton Cash comes out. We create, like, because of the actual activities of the Clintons in which they made some $140 million for the foundation from people that made money by selling U.S. uranium to Russia in which yeah. Vladimir Putin would be in control of it. Oh, by the way, we've seen what happens when Vladimir Putin becomes overly empowered when he controls natural yep. resources, right? So, But that put that aside. But that creates such a vulnerability that they say, hey, the biggest vulnerability we have is the idea that we might be kind of weak on Russia. So they didn't create the idea. They fabricate the story that the Trump campaign is a Russian asset and that the, the Russia will do whatever it can to help Trump win, whether it's collusion, whether it's misinformation, et cetera. Okay. So that storyline they tried to put out there in, ahead of the 2016 election didn't work. Trump gets elected. But that same idea that Russia is working with the Trump campaign is also what was used to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story, right, correct. which absolutely could have swung the 2020 election. Right. So this thing they made up because of Clinton cash is arguably maybe the most relevant political factor within the 2016 election and the 2020 election. That's right. That's exactly right. Look, this is ultimately for me about the power of truth and the power of ideas. We're a small organization. I mean, our budget is about $3 million a year. That's publicly known. You can find it on our 990s. Uh, we, we live in this, uh, we work in this, I should say, this, this little compound down here in Tallahassee, I mean, Florida. The, the curtain's not far behind us. <laughs> right there. <laughs> right. Uh, but the bottom line is the information, the research, the work that we've done has had an enormous impact, and we're enormously proud of that. It launched the Clinton Foundation investigation. It launched an investigation of the Bidens. We're going to continue to do this work, and ultimately it demonstrates that truth does matter. Sometimes it's hard to work its way uh, through the muck that is Washington, D.C., and you've got powerful forces that are trying to suppress it. But the bottom line is the truth does come out. And I think that's what we're seeing this. So I'm, I'm immensely proud of the work that we've done. I'm frustrated in the manner in which you have these powerful forces that continue to try to misrepresent it. But ultimately, the truth is coming out, and I'm just very, very proud uh, of the work that we've done, and I'm excited about what we have coming down the pike, too. Well, and you should be, and I'll just say my final thought is I think that literally one of the most impressive things about you is your willingness to speak truth to power, regardless of who and how powerful uh, that source may be, whether it's the former Secretary of State, the future presidential candidate in Hillary Clinton, whether it's the son of the current president, Hunter Biden, whether it's the actual president of the United States. Or even the state of Maine. You know what I mean? You take, it doesn't matter. You call them out. You'll add them. And I, I seriously think it's very impressive. <laughs> well, thank you. And I do, by the way, love the state of Maine, contrary to Eric's ref, representation. your Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we appreciate and thank you for listening to us always. Uh, you can find our uh, reporting and you can find our podcasts at thedrilldown.com or anywhere that fine podcasts can be located. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.